0: The sermon preached at St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, a member of the Wells, on June 3, 2012, based on John chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Please remain seated. Your friends in Christ, fellow saints, wash clean in the blood of our risen Savior. My name is Nicodemus. I used to be a Pharisee and a leader and teacher among the Jews. I thank you for this opportunity to speak to you, especially to you graduates, Shay and Tara, as you mark this milestone in your life. And please let me share with you the events of a night that changed my life. People had been talking about this young new rabbi, who came from a small town in the north called Nazareth. Usually, us leaders ignored what happened in those little towns in the north. Jerusalem was the center of life. That's where the temple was. That's where the kings of old, David and Solomon, had their thrones. But this rabbi from Nazareth was different Many of the leaders simply dismissed him, just like the day they dismissed that man down by the Jordan who had come out of the desert wearing clothes made out of camel's hair. The common people had flocked to him, eager to listen to his preaching and to be baptized in the water of the Jordan by him. But the leaders simply had sent a delegation Only to investigate whether this preacher by the Jordan might be a challenge to our influence. But now, now this rabbi from Nazareth had come as well. And he, he was quite different from what we're used to. For you see, he did miraculous signs. He healed the sick. He drove out demons. He made the lame to walk and the blind to see. These were signs. Yes, they were clearly signs that he had come from God. For how could a mere man do such things unless God was with him? And so, not only did we have that preacher down by the Jordan, now we had this second man, came from Nazareth, this Jesus. I figured I should investigate. How could I ignore those miraculous signs that he kept on doing? And he also taught with such authority. I had to investigate to find out who he was. Might he be the one who had been foretold? Might he be ushering in the kingdom of God? If so, I certainly wanted to my share in it. But if not, if not, I did not want to lose the influence I had as a teacher and leader in Israel. What would others think if they saw me talking to this man and he later proved to be a fake? And so I went to see him during the night, secretly. Are you ever tempted to hide Jesus. Yes, you know how important he is. And yet, sometimes we're tempted to not really be seen with him. We don't want others to know how closely we follow him. I I know how strong that temptation is, because that's the way I felt on that night. I wanted to go see Jesus under the cover of the darkness. And so it, it can be so tempting to to think that I don't want others to know that I follow Jesus too closely because then, then I might have to live up to certain standards. Then I might miss out on some opportunities. That's the way I felt that night. And so I went to see Jesus under that cover of darkness. But that attitude in me was slowly changing as I got to know Jesus and faith began to grow in my heart I'm getting ahead of myself there. As we go back to that night, that night that changed my life, Jesus, Jesus knew why I was there and he got right to the point. He knew that I was concerned about God's kingdom and my place in it. And so he said to me, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God, unless he is born again. And how those words took me back. Yes, what is Jesus saying here? How could I be born again? It didn't make sense to me. Wasn't my birth into a Jewish family, a God fearing family, good enough? Didn't that automatically make me a part of God's kingdom? And what about my good works as a Pharisee? Others looked up to me and respected me for the strict way I kept the, the letter of God's law. If anyone were members of God's kingdom, wouldn't us Pharisees certainly be? But Jesus clearly says that in order to see his kingdom, much less to be a member of it, we had to be reborn, born again. And that included me as well. Now, how could such a, a, a rebirth come about? He certainly wasn't talking about another physical birth. He was talking about a spiritual rebirth. How could such a birth come about? What could make it happen? Now, well, Jesus did not leave me in suspense. He said, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. How did this rebirth come about? Well, Jesus said it right there. Born of water and the Spirit. Yes, he was taking me back to that preacher down by the Jordan. Had we leaders been too quick to dismiss him? The common people had flocked to him to listen to his preaching, calling them to repentance so that they believed in the coming Messiah for the forgiveness of sins. And they were baptized by him in that water. And now Jesus was saying that through that baptism the Holy Spirit himself was powerfully at work. How could we have mistaken that so badly? How could we have dismissed that work? Ah, flesh gives birth to flesh, Jesus says. Sinful parents give birth to sinful children. How could I ever have thought I could have done enough good to satisfy the Holy God? I was born from sinful parents. I was flesh, sinful flesh. Flesh gives birth to flesh. No wonder, Jesus says, that entrance into the kingdom requires rebirth. And yet, just as I could not bring about my physical birth, I could not bring about my spiritual rebirth either. That was the work of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Oh, I, I still was very confused and, and bewildered by all this. I couldn't understand how the Holy Spirit would work through the water and word of baptism. Why would he choose such a way to bring people into God's kingdom? It didn't make sense to me. It didn't make any sense. But then, but then I can't make sense of how the wind blows from one place to another. And yet I know it does, since I hear It's sound. And in the same way, Jesus tells me that I don't have to make sense or explain how the Holy Spirit does his work. Rather, I should have simply seen the evidence of it in those people who went down and heard and believed the message of of John and were baptized by him. Hadn't the Holy Spirit changed them? Oh, they didn't start following the rules of us Pharisees. But hadn't they changed for the better? Those who had more shared with those who had less? The tax collectors that believed no longer overcharged people? The soldiers that believed no longer extorted money with false accusations? Yes, there was that outward evidence that the Holy Spirit had worked in their hearts. As a leader, as a teacher of Israel, I should have seen that again and again on the pages of the Scriptures that the Holy Spirit brings people into God's kingdom, not by their works, but by faith. And even though the Spirit and the faith he creates are invisible, they certainly show themselves in people's lives, don't they? Just as the wind makes its presence known by its sound, moved by the Holy Spirit... God's people confess their faith and do what is good in God's sight. Yes, I could clearly see, even here on this earth, the evidence of the Spirit's working through the Word and through baptism in the lives of those people. I should have seen it, because it was right here on this earth in front of me. I thought I knew so much, and yet I had failed to believe the true message of the scriptures, I had failed to put it into practice. Don't fall into the same trap I did, dear graduates. Don't fall into that trap that thinks that I already know enough. Yes, you have learned much, not only in school, but also in life. You have matured into young adults, You have learned much more, and you know much more than you did when you started school. But is Jesus still as important to you today as he was on that first day of Sunday school when you came eagerly to learn about your Savior? It can be so tempting to think that we already know enough about him, And you may well know enough about grammar or multiplication that you don't have to go back to the elementary books. But that's never the case with Jesus. Take it from me, who thought he knew so much that he was a teacher among God's people. And yet there was so much I did not know. There is always more to learn from Jesus and his word. And as we keep on taking that word to heart, The Holy Spirit keeps on changing our lives. Don't cut his power short. For you see, dear friends, only the Bible reveals the divine counsels of heaven. God's plan, yes, the plans of the eternal almighty God, are put down in print on the pages of the scriptures for you and me to know. On that night that changed my life, Jesus began by talking to me about things that happened right here on this earth, about the Holy Spirit working in the hearts of people through baptism, giving them rebirth into his kingdom, things that I could see on this earth. But then he went on and pulled back the veil to reveal God's heavenly plan. What was that plan? Well, maybe before I get to that, we need to just just realize what this world is and ask why, why would God save this world in the first place? How could the almighty, holy God save a world infected, corrupted by sin? Why would he want to do that in the first place? Satan, that ancient serpent, had ruined his creation, leading the whole world astray. The poison of sin infects each and every one of us. And God does not like sin. He hates sin. He hates sinners, for he is the holy God. He is a consuming fire. Death, hell, and damnation were our rightful lot. But then Jesus reveals the greatest secret of all, God so loved, yes, loved the world. Now, Jesus isn't saying that God changed his mind about sin and decided that sin wasn't all that bad and that maybe us sinners were sort of likable after all. No, he still did not like sin. He still hated sin and all who do wrong. And his love fully knew just how wicked this world was. His love fully knows the depth of our wickedness and sinfulness better than we know ourselves. And yet, that's just how great his love is. That despite knowing our wickedness and our rebellion against him, his love earnestly wanted to save us sinners. His love deeply desired to take us sinners and turn us from his enemies into his own dear children. His love fervently planned to bring you, dear sinner, to bring you eternal life. And how did he bring that about? He gave his one and only Son. The Father gave his Son, Jesus Christ, sending him into this dark world in the most lowly of ways, born of the Virgin, The Father gave His Son, Jesus Christ, offering Him up on the cross as the full payment for all the sins of the world. And He did this for you. He did it for you and for me. Whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Believe this good news and live Maybe you're thinking, if there's any part of the Bible that I know well, it's certainly that part. But do you truly know that with all your heart, soul, and mind? I don't. If I truly knew and fully understood just how great the Father's love is, then I'd have no fear for the Father's love would be protecting me. What could separate me from the Father's loving protection, which guards and and keeps me safe, no matter what the danger? Yes, if I fully and truly knew how lavish the Father's love is, then I'd have no worries. He has already given me His Son. How will He not also give me all that I need, providing whatever is necessary. Yes, if I fully grasped what it meant that I have eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ, wouldn't I be completely content, satisfied, and happy? I have eternal life. What more could I need or want? Yes, if I could fully grasp what it meant that I have eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ, Wouldn't I always be repaying evil with good? Always forgiving others? Continually praying for my enemies? Eternal life is mine. What harm can they do to me? Yes. Even with just this one verse, there is so much more for me to know. So much more for me to take to heart even with this one verse that so many people can recite from memory. Yes, you have graduated from high school and that is a great accomplishment but none of us ever graduate from God's word. Cherish it every day of your life thinking about what it says and putting that into practice. Hear his word regularly. Read it as a letter of love from your dear Father in heaven. Let it fill your heart and mind so that it overflows into your words and actions. In baptism, you, Shay and Tara, you have been reborn by the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't lose out on that new life by willful sinning or by neglecting the Spirit's testimony in the scriptures or the sacraments. Rather, rejoice in the Father's love that gave you his Son. Through faith in him, you have eternal life. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.